Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we will be reading about the birth of the Holy Virgin Mary. We will be reading from the poem of the man-god and I will be paraphrasing and we will start on page 20. Anne of Arran is heavily pregnant. She is coming out into the garden uh, where her husband Joachim is working and she's telling him that uh, she feels that her time is coming. The air is hot and dry, and there's a storm brewing in the distance. Joachim asks Anne, Are you in pain? And Anne says, I feel the great peace that I experienced in the temple when I was granted the grace, and which I felt once again when I knew I was pregnant. It is like an ecstasy, a sweet sleep of the body while the soul rejoices and calms itself, in a peace that has no bodily parallel. I have loved and still do love you, Joachim, and when I entered your house I said to myself, I am the wife of a just man. I had peace, and I felt the same every time your provident love took care of your Anne. But this peace is different. If I absorb myself in this feeling, it grows more and more in strength while I enjoy it. It is as if I were ascending into the blue spaces of the sky, and furthermore I don't know the reason for it, but since I have had this peaceful joy in me, I have a song in my heart. I think that he who will rebuild the tabernacle of the true God in Jerusalem will be this one who is about to be born, and I also think that the destiny of my child was prophesied and not the fate of the holy city when the song says, quote, you shall shine with a bright light. All the peoples of the world will prostrate themselves before you. The nations will come bringing gifts. They will worship the Lord in you and will hold your land as sacred, because within you they invoke the great name. You will be happy on account of your children, because they will all be blessed and they will gather near the Lord. Blessed are those who's lo who love you and rejoice in your peace." Unquote. Anne says, I am the first to rejoice as her happy mother. Anne decides to go inside the house. A violent storm is approaching with lightning and clouds threatening hail. Joachim is anxious for his wife. It's growing dark and the evening is preceded by a furious and very violent storm. It brings torrential rain, wind, lightning, everything except hail, which has fallen elsewhere. One of the workers notices the ferocity of the gale. He says, It looks as if Satan has come out of Gehenna with his demons. Look at those black clouds. You can smell sulfur in the air, and you can hear whistling and hissing and wailing and cursing voices. If it is him, he is furious this evening. And another worker says, a great prey must have escaped him, or Michael the archangel has struck him with a new thunderbolt from God, and he has had his horns and tail clipped and burnt. A woman comes out and says, Joachim, it is coming, it is happening quickly and well, and suddenly the storm drops after one last thunderbolt that is so violent it throws the three men against the side wall, and in front of the garden, a black, smoky cavity remains as its memory. 
Meanwhile, a cry is heard from beyond Anne's door, and at the same time a huge rainbow stretches its semicircle across the sky. It rises up in the clear September sky, and through an atmosphere cleaned of all impurities, it crosses over the hills of Galilee and the plain to make the, to the south. Meanwhile, a cry is heard from beyond Anne's door, and at the same time a huge rainbow stretches its semicircle across the sky. It rises up in the clear September sky, and through an atmosphere cleaned of all impurities, it crosses over the hills of Galilee and the plain to the south and over another mountain and seems to rest the other end on the distant horizon where it drops from view behind a chain of high mountains. We have never seen anything like this. Look, look, it seems to enclose in a circle the whole of the land of Israel. And look, there is already a star in the sky while the sun has not yet set. What a star! It is shining like a huge diamond. And the moon over there is a full moon three days early. But look how she is shining. The women arrive jubilant with a plump little baby wrapped in plain linens. It is Mary, a very tiny Mary. She, the pure and chaste. It is Mary, a very tiny Mary. She, the pure and chaste one, she, the holy and immaculate virgin. Anne smiles and says, she is the star. Her sign is in heaven, Mary, ark of peace. God is with her. She belongs to him before she existed. He will lead her along his ways, and all bitterness will turn into heavenly honey. Jesus says, I am longing to take you with me on the heavenly contemplation of Mary's virginity. You will emerge with your soul filled with light because you will plunge into God's masterpiece. You will have understood the degree to which God can love. To speak of the conception of Mary, the Immaculate, means to penetrate the sky, light, and love. Come and read her glories in the Book of the Ancestor. Quote, God possessed me at the beginning of his works, from the beginning, before creation. From everlasting I was firmly set, in the beginning, before time came into being. The deep did not yet exist, and I was already conceived. The springs did not yet gush with water, and the mountains had not yet risen in their huge masses. Neither were the hills jewels in the sun when I came to birth. God had not yet made the earth, the rivers, and the foundation of the world, and I was there. When he prepared the heavens, I was present. When with immutable laws he enclosed the deep under the surface, when he fixed the heavens firm and he suspended there the springs of water, when he assigned the sea its boundaries and gave laws to the waters, when he ordered the waters not to invade the shore, when he laid down the foundations of the earth, I was with him, arranging everything. I always played joyfully in his presence. I played in the universe." Unquote. Jesus says, You applied these words to wisdom, but they speak of her, the beautiful mother, the holy mother, the virgin mother of wisdom that I am, who am now speaking to you. 
I wanted you to write the first line of the song at the top of the book that speaks of her, that she might be contemplated, and the consolation and joy of God might be known, the reason for the constant, perfect, intimate delight of this God, one and trine, who rules and loves you, and who received from man so many reasons for being sad, the reason why he perpetuated the human race, even when, at the first test, meaning Adam and Eve, humanity deserved to be destroyed, the reason for the forgiveness you have received. To have Mary that loved him. Oh, it was well worth while creating man and allowing him to exist and decreeing to forgive him in order to have the beautiful virgin, the holy virgin, the immaculate virgin, the loving virgin, the beloved daughter, the most pure mother, the loving spouse. God has given you so much and would have given you even more to possess the creature of his delight, the son of his son, the flower of his garden, and he continues to give you so much on account of her, at her request, for her joy, because her joy flows into the joy of God and increases it with flashes that fill the light, the great light of paradise, with brilliant sparkles, and every sparkle is a grace to the universe, to mankind, to the blessed souls who reply with a jubilant cry of Alleluia to each generation of divine miracle created by the desire of the Blessed Trinity to see the sparkling smile of joy of the Virgin. God desired to put a king in the universe, he's talking of mankind, that he created out of nothing, a king who by the nature of matter should be the first among all the creatures created with matter and endowed with matter, a king who by nature of the spirit should be little less than divine, united to grace as he was in his first innocent day. But the supreme mind, to whom all the most remote events in centuries are known, incessantly sees what was, what is, and what will be. And while it contemplates the past and observes the present, it penetrates deeply with its foresight into the most distant future and knows in every detail how the last man will die. Without confusion or discontinuity, the Supreme Mind has always known that the King created to be demigod at its side in heaven, heir of the Father, would arrive adult in his kingdom after living on the earth during his childhood. The Supreme Mind has always known that man would have committed against himself the crime of killing grace in himself and the theft of robbing himself of heaven. When God is speaking of killing grace, he's talking about original sin, killing the God that lives within him, killing grace of having God, being present and being in communion with God every day of his life. Jesus says, why then did God create him? Certainly many ask themselves why. Would you have preferred not to exist? Does this day not deserve in itself to be lived, although so poor and bare and rendered harsh by your wickedness, so that you may know and admire the infinite beauty 
that the hand of God has sown in the universe. For whom would he have created the stars and planets? For whom would he have made the blue sea? The sea is for you, as the sky and the stars are, and with the sea, the lakes and the rivers, the ponds and the streams, the pure springs, all of which serve to nourish you, to quench your thirst, to clean you, and to serve you, serving their Creator, without submerging you, as you deserve. For whom would he have made the countless families of animals, and the beautifully colored birds that fly singing, and other animals like that servants run, work, nourish you, and succor you for their kings? For whom would he have created the countless families of plants and flowers, a welcome relaxation and joy to your minds, your limbs, your sight and smell? For whom would God have made the minerals in the bowels of the earth, and the salts dissolved in cold and boiling springs, the iodines and the bromines, unless one should enjoy them, one who was not God, but the Son of God, one man? The joy of God lacked nothing. God had no need. He is sufficient in himself. He has only to contemplate himself to rejoice, to nourish himself, to live, and to rest. The whole creation has not increased by one atom his infinite joy, beauty, life, power. He made everything for the creature that he wanted to place as king in the work made by him. That creature is man. It is worthwhile living to see such a work of God and to be grateful to his power that gives you the opportunity. And you must be grateful to be alive. You should have been grateful even if you had to wait till doomsday to be redeemed, because you have been prevaricators, proud, lascivious, murderers in your first parents, and you are still so individually. Yet God allows you to enjoy the beauty of the universe, the goodness of the universe, and he treats you as if you were good children who are taught and granted everything so that their lives might be happier and more pleasant. What you know, you know by the light of God. What you discover, you discover through the guidance of God. In goodness. Other knowledge and discoveries that bear the mark of evil come from the supreme evil, Satan. But the supreme mind of God knows everything. Before man existed, he knew that man would be a thief and self-murderer. And as the eternal goodness has no limits in being good, before guilt existed, meaning original sin, he thought of the means to obliterate guilt. The means, I, the word. The instrument to render the means an efficient instrument, Mary and the virgin was created in the sublime mind of God. Jesus is saying that God knew from the beginning of time that mankind would listen to Satan, would sin, would do evil. And he knew that he would send the Redeemer to redeem mankind. And he knew that to do so, he would need the Immaculate Virgin Mary. And he created her in the sublime mind of God. Jesus says, 
Everything was created for me, beloved Son of the Father. I, King, should have had under my divine royal feet carpets and jewels such as no royal palace had, and songs and voices and servants and ministers around me, as no sovereign ever possessed, and flowers and gems, all the sublime, the greatness, the kindness that may derive from the thought of God. But I was to be flesh as well as spirit, flesh to save the flesh, flesh to sublime the flesh, taking it to heaven many centuries before its time. Because the flesh inhabited by the spirit is God's masterpiece, He's talking about virtuous people. Virtuous people are bodies keeping God holy inside themselves. So they are flesh inhabited by the Spirit of God. Because the flesh inhabited by the Spirit is God's masterpiece and heaven had already been made for it. In order to become flesh, I needed a mother. Because I am God, it was necessary that the Father was God. Then God created his spouse, and he said to her, quote, Come with me, at my side, see what I am doing for our son. Look and rejoice, eternal virgin, eternal maiden, and may your smile give the angels their starting note and teach paradise celestial harmony. I am looking at you, and I see you as you will be, immaculate woman, who are now only a spirit the spirit in which I rejoice. The stars and planets are for you. Come and enjoy looking at the flowers that will be a childish joy for your baby and a pillow for the son of your womb. Come and see sheep and lambs, eagles and doves being created. Stay beside me when I make the hollows of the seas and grooves of the rivers and I raise the mountains and I adorn them with snow and forests. Stay here while I sow furrows and trees and vines, and I make the olive tree for you, my peaceful one, and the vine for you, my vine branch, who will bear the Eucharistic bunch of grapes. Run, fly, rejoice, my beauty, and may the universe which is created hour by hour learn from you to love me, my love, and may it become more beautiful owing to your smile, mother of my son, queen of my paradise, love of your God. So here Jesus is telling us that Mary, her spirit was always with the triune God, that she was there from the beginning, the middle, the end, that God lives in the past, the present, and the future, timelessly, knowing what was, what is, and what is to come. And through his tremendous love for mankind, through his tremendous love for Mary, he presented everything in order that we may receive Christ the Redeemer when the time came through his beloved Holy Virgin Mary. Jesus says, Mary is the Virgin. She is the only one. She is the perfect one, the complete one, conceived as such, generated as such, remained such, crowned such eternally such. She is the virgin. She is the acme of intangibility, of purity, of grace that is lost in the abyss from which it emerged. In God, most perfect intangibility, purity, 
grace. God raises this star to perfection. He raises this virgin, contented only with loving God. In her there is the absence of incentives, the inheritance of sin. In her there is only the wisdom of divine love, a fire that strengthens the flesh, so that it may be a transparent mirror at the altar where God married a virgin and does not lower himself, because his perfection embraces her perfection, which, as it becomes a bride, is only inferior to his by one point, subject to him as a woman, but without fault as he is. Here we have learned of the nature of Mary before her conception, her conception, and her birth. To this I want to add a reading from the True Life in God Prayer Meeting Guidelines. On page 36, Jesus says, My mother's immaculate heart is united to mine. I desire from each one of you the devotion her immaculate heart deserves. You see how our divine hearts are covered by thorns from men who only show us ingratitude, sacrilege, lack of love. It is the whole of their sins. I, who am the word, love and respect her. I desire you to approach my mother and honor her as I honor her. I desire that every knee bends honoring her. I desire you to pray the rosary and hail your holy mother. I want you to repair your sins, asking her to teach you.